0: Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's word. Well, it's Monday, September the 18th, 2023. And I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we complete our study on the book of Titus, and by extension, we complete our study on the books of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and now Titus. And as we finish our study on the book of Titus, Paul admonishes those in Crete to live distinctively different lives. He echoes the message to the church in Ephesus when he says in Ephesians 2.10, We are his Christ workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As Paul closes his letter to Titus, and by extension, the Cretes and all believers, we are reminded of the gospel. Verse 5 is one of the greatest verses of regeneration and new life in the Bible when it says, He, Christ, saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So let's read Titus and let's prepare for the Lord to to speak to us uh, uh, so that we can ultimately be prepared to do urgent need, good works for urgent need. Need. This is what Paul says in Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up the vision after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend winter there. Do your best to spend Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See, they lack nothing and let our people learn to devote themselves to good work so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me, send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. So we are to prepare ourselves for good works. Paul begins the letter with remind them or the chapter with remind them of the things previously taught and then summarizes these teaching in four ways. The first way is we submit obediently. All throughout the word, we are reminded to be submissive to rulers and authorities We are not to be anarchists or rebels, but to willfully submit to the authority unless it brings us in direct conflict with the commands of God. So as God's people, we are to be those who follow authority. We submit obediently to authority. And as the word says, not when it comes in conflict with God's word, but in a way so that we show who we believe and whose we are. Oh, beloved, and even when we have to disobey authority, we do it humbly and passively, like Peter and the apostles brought before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 29. This is what Luke says as he records in the book of Acts. He says, and when they had brought them in, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them, saying, we have strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, now listen to the passive humility. We must obey God rather than men. Notice that they don't throw it in the face of the Sanhedrin and the council. They don't say, hey, get out of our face. We're not going to listen to you. We're not going to obey you. They just they just say we have to obey God rather than men so number one we submit obediently but number two we serve with eagerness the word every here in verse 1 reminds us every good work that we are to serve in a comprehensive manner we look for every opportunity to serve to aid and to assist others we certainly do not do this reluctantly but with joy beloved as stewards of everything. Everything we have is a gift of God. And so we are stewards of everything that we have, our time, our talent, and our abilities. We have been redeemed in order to serve the Lord. So let us be eager to serve, knowing that we are but a steward. And then third, we speak with gentleness. We are to pursue peace and to be uplifting with our speech. We should slander no one and to use our words to build up and not to tear down. Our words should be peaceful, gentle, and considerate. And this doesn't just include speech to people in their presence, but also our speech behind the backs of people created in the image of God. We give people the benefit of the doubt and we avoid holding a grudge. In other words, we speak evil of no one and we avoid quarreling. But then forth we see as a foundation of our good works, we show humility. It says, be gentle and show perfect courtesy towards all people. We show courtesy to all people, not looking to promote ourselves or our own agenda, but to put the interests of others ahead of ourselves and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We constantly place others ahead of ourselves. It is in this attitude and action, esteeming others above ourselves, that we show humility. And then Paul in Titus chapter 3 moves to the new life in Christ. These things are true of us and are our new life because of our redemption in Christ. But Paul reminds us in verse 3 of our resume of sin before our life in Christ. Before Christ came, this was our resume. Sin held us captive and in turn sin deceives us and makes us stupid. Huh. Sin holds us captive and it makes us literally stupid. We do things we don't want to do and we don't do things that we want to do. Sin makes us disobedient. It deceives us. It makes us self centered. Instead of looking out for the interests of others, we look out only for the interests of ourselves. Oh, sin makes us so self centered, but it also enslaves us to worldly passions and desires. It controls us by lust and desire and greed and pride. Oh, greed and pride. Are two subtle sins, but oh, they are so deadly. The worldly passions and desires, we're greedy for lust and desire. We're prideful, thinking we deserve it. But sin also causes us to detest good things, giving us a, a vicious character, desiring to bring good to no one. It also says sin creates dissatisfaction and restlessness as we are constantly wanting more and restless for more. And lastly, Paul tells us that sin destroys every relationship, making us hateful and detesting of God's image bearers. This is the way Paul says in verse three, We were ourselves once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But in verse four brings a but. It's not the biggest but in the Bible. The biggest but in the Bible is similar. And that's in Ephesians 2, 3 through 4, when it says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, were by nature children of wrath, the like and like the rest of mankind. But, verse 4, the biggest but in the Bible, Ephesians 2, 4, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Titus 3, 4 is the second biggest but, leading us to one of the biggest or the best statements in God's word concerning our regeneration. We have been saved for good works. So after our resume, Paul tells Titus, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Our regeneration, our renewal consists of removing the filth of our sin and bringing forth what we need to follow the Lord. The imagery hearkens us back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27, when Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Verse 8 reminds us that we have been regenerated, changed, and bought by Christ in order for us to devote ourselves to the work of the kingdom of God in order to make the glory of God known and the gospel made famous. Our works are to put a taste of the glory of God, the goodness of God, and the gospel of the kingdom, which we were saved for on the lips of those who are perishing. And so, five encouragements for good works that Paul ends the book on and ends the chapter on. First, avoid the foolish. Verse 9 says, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, and dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. It is unprofitable to walk with those who lack wisdom and discernment. When we debate over secondary issues and secondary doctrines, we miss opportunities for gospel advancement. We may win a debate on doctrine, and yet those debate divide the mission. Paul uses strong language here. They are worthless. But then the second encouragement for good works is confront divisive people. Verses 10 to 11 says, As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, and he is self-condemned. Oh, Paul warns us against those who constantly stir up controversies. They can be dangerous and destructive. Just like the person, the divider, diverts attention from the gospel and onto themselves or their ideas. Paul says, be on guard for those who are sly in seeking to divide. Confront those stirring up contention. And if they continue, Paul tells Titus, have nothing more to do with them. But then the third encouragement and we find it in verse 15, or in verses 12 to 13, and that is to associate with godly leaders. Verse 12 says, I'm sending Artemis and Tychicus to you. Do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, and I have decided to spend winter there. But then do your best to send Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, and seek that they lack nothing. Paul goes from the negative encouragement in verses 9 through 11 to positive encouragement when he instructs Titus to seek godly counsel. He is sending Artemis and Tychicus to Titus in order to help him and encourage him in the ministry. Godly leaders, godly men, godly followers of Christ who would hold Titus's arms up in this ministry. And in turn, Paul asked for Zenos and Apollos to come to Nicopolis to help Paul with his work. The bottom line is that we are not meant to live the Christian life alone or to serve in the work of Christ alone. We need to surround ourselves with godly leaders, godly companions, and godly friends who will hold us accountable and help us avoid foolishness and division. But then fourth, and we find it in verse 15, is to encourage the family. Paul says, all who are with me, send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Paul tells Titus to encourage those in the faith. We are all part of the family of God, and we need to be encouraging one another and lifting each other up. Oh, beloved, this world brings hurt, pain, and discouragement, but we need to be people of love in the household of faith. We express the brotherly love of God to one another while praying for the grace we all need to continue running the race. Oh, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, beloved. He has overcome the world, and not just to take away the foolishness, not just to take away the pain, but to give us brothers and sisters who will encourage us, will hold us up, and will keep us accountable. Encourage the family. So five encouragements for good works. Avoid the foolish. Confront divisive people. Associate with God leaders. Encourage the family. And fifth and final, maintain good works. And this leads us to Titus 3.14, which is the pinnacle of the book of Titus. It is the the point. It is the thesis statement of the book of Titus. You see, Paul has gone through to talk about elders and, and sound doctrine for this moment. Have sound doctrine. Know what regeneration is. Don't do good works to earn your salvation, but do your good works in order to be fruitful and to meet urgent need. This is what verse 14 says. It says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. God is, in his word, is calling us to open our eyes to urgent need. He's telling us to devote ourselves to good works in order to help in cases of urgent need. We have been redeemed in order to follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords into the work of the kingdom. And beloved, this is the ministry for which he is called lifeline to. Good works of urgent need to care for vulnerable children, to care for vulnerable parents, and to show the gospel to women going through unplanned and crisis pregnancies. And we do this urgent work ultimately to manifest the gospel. We preach the gospel and we show the gospel through our good works. So, beloved, we have not been saved by our good works, but we have been saved for good works. To love to nurture, to meet urgent need, and to help the vulnerable. And as we do, we pray this week for our foster care program. We thank you for continuing to join us for the Defender Bible Study, and thank you for praying with us and with Lifeline as well as we pray for our foster care program. We pray for recruitment, and we pray for our staff, and we pray for the children, and we pray for the volunteers. Let's go before our Lord and pray. Father God, we pray certainly for more gospel-centered families to step into the ministry of foster care and harbor families and foster to adopt. We pray continually for opportunities for the gospel to be made known and displayed as we interact with state workers, with attorneys, with judges, with counselors, with birth families, and with children. Lord, for ministries like Families Count, would they continue to Equip the church to make the gospel known to these systems. We pray for our staff who are currently recruiting and equipping and supporting our foster parents. Would you give them wisdom? Would you give them earnestness? Would you give them favor? And Father, we pray for those parents currently in the process and those who are licensed and receiving placements. Would you give them wisdom? Would you give them stamina? Would you give them encouragement? And would you go before them? Lord, we pray for our church partners to continue to catch the vision, to understand the call, and to take action to move further into foster care ministry. And Lord, we pray for volunteers and church staff who lead foster care-focused ministries in their local churches. Father, would you equip them, would you go before them, and would you lead them into this ministry? Lord, lastly, but certainly not least, we pray for these children. Pray that the gospel would be impressed upon their hearts, pray that you would make yourself known to them. And Lord, we pray that through these efforts that they would be reached by your gospel to make a difference in your kingdom and for your world. Lord, would kids without hope today find hope in you? And Lord, would that hope not just be for today, but would that hope lead them to what you have for them? Oh God, would you use these kids to make a difference in this world? Would you use these kids to change the world. Lord, that the vision of Lifeline would be made known, that vulnerable children, that families and their communities are so transformed by your saving gospel that they in turn go and make disciples. And it's in your great name that we pray, the name of Jesus, amen. Well, thank you again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study and join us for next week as we start our new study on the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians.